We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined today by Benny Ricciardi as we cover the Friday practice reports and break down the Thursday GPP ownership percentages for NFL's Week 7 DFS action. You can always find Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at Rotocurve, Rotowire, and as a feature writer on the DraftKings playbook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at JoshHayesFS and find me hosting the Daily Slant DFS show and writing for ProFootballFocus.com. The Rotowire DFS podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you get a chance to rate or review us, please go ahead and do so, and don't forget to share and subscribe. Benny, welcome to the Friday update. Yeah, best uh, best time of the week. We got so much DFS action coming up. Uh, you know, we still got NFL in full swing. We're starting NBA next week. You know, I got my eSports stuff ready for tomorrow, a little PGA going on. I like it. Wow, you just got, of, um, got it all, all the bases covered. That's so. it. Yeah. Full degenerate status. I love it. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. freaking All right. So, um, you know, we're going to just dive right in here. Let's go ahead and get to the latest practice reports. There was some uh, rumors and panic for all the people who had Thursday lineups lock, uh, like on FanDuel, for instance, with Stefan Diggs, as he was uh, rumored to be running uh, as a number four wideout early in practice. But he was back running with the first team offense in three wide sets uh, later on in the session. So people can calm down. And and stop panicking for all the people who wanted to get the uh, the next Antonio Brown, according to his teammates, into your lineup. I, uh, I I'm not saying that he doesn't have that upside or potential, but you know I think it's you know people need to just calm down just a little bit on the Antonio Brown uh, comps. 
uh, for, for now. So, but regardless, looks like Stefan Diggs is still a good, um, you know, high risk, high reward play. I, I actually run him up, um, on PFF, uh, this week as well. So somebody to keep tabs on. Uh, the Titans have ruled out Harry Douglas and that's sort of slides into the nobody cares department. Um, <laughs> the one thing I will say, just since we're talking about Titans wide receivers is how confident do you feel about, uh, Doyle Green Beckham as a GPP play this week? I mean, I keep hearing how good this kid is, and I keep hearing people saying this is the week he's going to break out, and I keep seeing him do absolutely nothing. So I know he's got talent. I know that <clears throat> he's athletic and he's big and he's fast, but, I mean, I still haven't seen anything yet that really makes me feel like I want to play him. So, you know, if you want to take a flyer in a GPP, I mean, go ahead. If you're playing in, like, a, a Millie Maker or a Sunday Millions and you need that, you know, very low-owned guy in a huge field, but... Other than that, I, I can't really say I, I'm going to be on him. All right. So I've, you know what? I, I want to have fewer shares of basically anybody in Tennessee now that we know that Marcus Mariota has been ruled out for Week 7 and the, and the player himself telling how, how he feels pretty good or like early, earlier in the week was all sort of like crazy hogwash when the guy has a grade 2 MCL sprain. I've never seen anybody have a grade 2 MCL sprain that's a quarterback and actually play uh, that same week. So he's been ruled out. It's all Zach Mettenberger, which means it's all uh, Atlanta Falcons for me and a lot of my DFS lineup. So we'll get to that once we get to the ownership percentages. But yeah, Mettenberger and Castle is going to be uh, two of our top targets as we have been, um, talking to the Bills. That's good news for Blake Bortles, who has been, uh, in a, in a pretty good groove overall with Alan Robinson, Alan Robinson and to a lesser extent Hearns. TG Elson also practices, uh, again on Friday. So he listed as questionable. I think he's more than probable. And that's also another, Boon or feather in the cap of uh, people who want to play uh, play big portals and GPPs for week seven. Uh, and let's see here. Jeremy Macklin has been expected to play after being cleared uh, through concussion protocol for Friday. Jordan Reed for the Redskins also got uh, clearance. And Carlos Hyde has some weird stress fracture that he's calling uh, that he has, but he basically played the entire game, although he was – the Niners were, weren't smart enough to stick with him because he was the only person on offense that was effective, but he does get a full 10 days of rest, uh, heading into, uh, next week's action for week eight. So something to just keep an eye on and monitor. And that's basically all the most relevant and latest news that we have. And if uh, anything comes across the wire, uh, throughout the show, we'll definitely be keeping tabs and we'll jump in and update you. Uh, oh, last piece of news that I just saw literally um, two minutes ago. Um, Joe Hayden once again did not clear concussion protocol and is ruled out for week seven against the Rams. So it looks like Pierre Desir is going to uh, take his place once again in the starting lineup. All right, Benny, let's go ahead and jump into the quarterback position here. We're looking at the fi- Friday um, uh, report for Randall GPPs. Uh, Carson Palmer at the top of the list with Philip Rivers with the two of our uh, chalkier chalkies. Um, what stands out to you among this list, and how are you um, going to um, s- splice this up for cash games and GPPs for you? All right. Well, I mean, the Carson Palmer being the highest owned at 17% is pretty much what we expected. He's got a great matchup against Baltimore. I still feel comfortable rolling him in cash, and I still think I'm probably going to have some exposure in uh, in GPPs because his price isn't too crazy. He could have a three-touchdown game, throw for 250 to 300 yards, um, and, and put up a nice number. So I'm not scared off by him. It's not a huge number. But some guys who I was interested to see kind of low, uh, Cam Newton at 6.7% is, is interesting to me. Um, you know, he's basically been going for 200 yards in the air, 50 yards on the ground, and two touchdowns, whether it's with his arm or with his legs. 
Um, you know, that's going to add up to about 23 points for you on whatever site you're playing. So at his price, I think he's somebody who I will have some shares of in tournaments. Um, I even think he might make a pretty solid cash game play, to be honest. Uh, other guys who I really like, <clears throat> you got Tom Brady at 5.2%. That's just way too low owned for Brady. I know the Jets defense is good. Um, you know, I'm a Jet fan. Believe me, I know all about that defense. But I still think Tom Brady at 5.2% is too low owned. And that is definitely somebody who I think I'm going to have some shares of for tournaments. Also really like Andrew Luck in that high total game. Uh, he's only 4% owned on the day here. So I can definitely see paying up to be contrarian with guys like Brady and Luck this week. Um, I think that's a pretty good move on, on your part to do something like that. I do think Cam is a nice swerve off of those guys as well. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm not going to go down and mess with some of these guys towards the bottom of this list. Um, like we said the other day, the one cheap guy who I think is a little bit interesting is Landry Jones. And it has less to do with his talent and a lot to do with the talent of his wide receivers. Uh, he was only 4% as well. So those are the guys that I've been looking at um, if I want to use some tournament options that are low-owned. Those are probably where I'm going to go. Okay, I'm actually okay with you with, with Matt Ryan. Uh, against uh, Tennessee, four point four percent. I think I don't think we've been talking about him enough. You can definitely put up a, a, a good, a, a good chunk of points on that Tennessee D. So uh, that's a guy that I don't mind having a good number of shares of. And I think also with Julio Jones sort of coming down down to earth three weeks in a row, that has a chance to be like a quite a good um, low ownership stack. You look take a look at Julio Jones, just nine point seven percent owned. That's probably like the lowest percentage he's have all, had all season long. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I definitely like that pairing. Um, Taking a look too at uh, Eli Manning and the and the Giants, there th- th- everyone is off them because they've played so horribly, and the passing game is actually ranked pretty low over overall, um, you know, f- through the first six weeks of the season. But um, that's the ownership percentage is so low combined between these two guys. And um, I mean, take a look at Odell Beckham Jr. Just three percent owned. People are also still a little bit concerned about him because he isn't practicing this week, but he's doing the same thing he did last week, which is um, basically protect his hammy, rest and then play on Sunday. So I expect those two things to happen. So those are two of the long shots that have good track records for all the terrible you know, performance of the Giants last week. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. did get into the end zone. So, I mean, it's definitely hard to trust Eli Manning. But um, having said that, you know, I, it, it's all about GPP differentiation when you're trying to take a shot at the top spot in these uh, DFS lineups. So though that you're literally going to be one of the few people. I mean, you could put yourself into the top 20 in a GPP if that stack goes off and you've got a solid lineup around it. So uh, that's something else to consider here as well. Uh, Brian Hoyer, uh, how do you feel about him and Hopkins? It's Miami's defense has been playing um, a lot better as of late, but I don't know how much you trust them, uh, you know, with uh, – you know the matchup that they have it looks like the the Miami defense was supposed to be a top I don't know five six seven defense throughout the season. They look like they're finally performing that spot, but then DeAndre Hopkins has been playing like the best wide receiver in the game. So, so the next question to you is how much ownership percentage uh, or shares do you want? Well, I mean, I like Hopkins, and he is a guy that I have. I also like the fact that that Houston team is running the most plays of any team in the league right now, so they do have a high pace and surprisingly, Miami is in the top six for pace as well. So I'm a little confused about why the total on this game is as low as it is. I think it should be a little bit higher. Um, I do agree with you. The thing that gives me a little bit of pause is that Miami defense, probably for the first time all season, looked pretty good last last week. Um, so it's going to be 
It's going to be a little bit trickier, but I still think Hoyer, for as cheap as he is on most of these sites, makes for a decent play. Yeah, I, I think that you, you just have – when you have somebody playing at such an elite level uh, like that, you need to sort of pay attention to it. Um, and, you know, we'll actually talk about whether or not that still makes sense once we get to the wide receiver portion uh, of, of the uh, – of the uh, GPP ownership percentage report, so because you know the it is high, so that that's the other issue that you have. So maybe we should be thinking more about uh, how, how much sense he makes as a as a cash game to play versus a GPP. GPP. So um, we'll we'll take all of that into account. Anybody else on this list? I think Landry Jones is as far as basically you want to go. I don't mind Drew Brees by the way at two point seven percent against uh, Indianapolis. That's a team that you can still definitely yeah. throw on as well. So my my only problem with Brees is if I'm looking at that game, I think I like Luck a little bit more than I like Brees, yeah. and they're about the same price. If one of them was a big discount to the other, right. I think there'd be a little bit more of a discussion. But for me, I think I'd rather have Luck, and they're basically the same price on all the sites. That's a great point. Uh, uh, and something else that I hadn't previously considered, so I'm glad you that you that you mentioned that. Um, before we move on to running backs, I want to let you know that if your weekly fantasy opponent is sitting there and you're looking at him, you're thinking to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players, but not his entire team. But your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to do so. Well, now you can with the all-new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players and teams. For example, you can pit ODB versus Megatron, LeBron versus Melo, Trout versus A-Rod. Creating a challenge just takes seconds, and accepting challenges are even easier. No halftime challenges can be private or public and created for NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, college football, college basketball, and other sports. Join today and get started. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and download the No Halftime app for your iPhone and Android device. Receive a bonus by entering the promo code ROTOWIRE at sign up. No halftime with a fantasy sports season never takes a break. So we are back from our break, and let's go ahead and talk about the running back position, taking a look at these ownership percentages here. Top spot, no surprise, Mr. Devontae Freeman. I'm not surprised by the uh, him being in the top spot, but I am surprised by how many shares people um, took of him. This is one of the highest-owned players I think I've seen in any spot all season long, with maybe the exception of Tom Brady a few weeks ago. What do we do with this percentage, uh, Benny? I mean, just so we know, we're talking 49.4% here. So Devonta Freeman is basically on every other roster. Mm -hmm. So to me, I mean, is he a cash game play? Yes, because, I mean, the guy's been unbelievable lately. But at 50% owned, to me, you almost have to fade him. Because, yeah, your two options are you own him 100% in every lineup or you fade him. Because otherwise, to me, there's really no... There's no upside in playing yes. him. Yeah, there's really there's no downside. Reasons. There is down. Yeah. Yes. So, like, let's be clear on that. Like, if for the people who create a monster lineup and they have everybody okay. else go off in their lineup and they use Devontae Freeman, you're going to need somebody else in your lineup that's going to have to match that production or exceed that, or your combination of it is going to have to, you know, get you there as a whole. So, there's the yep. issue that you have by staying off Freeman. But having said that, if he goes off, then the all, the best you've done is put yourself in the top half of the field, which is not what right. you're shooting for in the GPP. Yeah, um, and I mean it's. Basically, the way game theory suggests is you want to do things that are going to give you the best chance of winning. Right. And using Devonta Freeman, like you said, if he goes off, it doesn't even guarantee that you're going to cash in the GPP because, you know, top 20% make money and 50% of the people have them. So using him is not the clearest path to winning. But if you do decide to fade him and he has a bad game or he gets hurt early in the game or, you know, if he just doesn't perform – 
you're knocking out half the field now, meaning that you're basically playing, you know, with the other half of the field for top 20 spots to get the money. So now you have a 40% chance of making the money, you know, playing against half the field. So that's basically why whenever there's a guy this highly owned, you know, to me, it's almost like an auto fade. So he is going to be somebody that I'm probably not going to have in many of my tournament lineups if I have him in any. No, he's going to be strictly cash for me. So, um, and I'm with you there as well. And we've talked about various running back options that we can get to um that we like for the for the discount as well and like we were trying to sort of reiterating with this point here you don't have to pick a guy and have him match that level of production in your uh gpp in order for you to sort of stay equal what you just have to do is pick pieces that'll create a better overall um Mm -hmm. ceiling for your for your lineup so if you go with you know legarrett blunt and mark ingram and they don't equal you know, Devontae Freeman and whoever else who uses production, you're not dead or you didn't do it wrong. You know, you just need to make sure that the the cost savings that you acquired by using those cheaper running backs equates to more overall points in your lineup. So that's what we're looking for here. So having said that, let's go ahead and talk about some of these other guys. This is an interesting top five, six, seven here, Vinny. Uh, Mm -hmm. Doug Martin at 14.5%, Todd Gurley at 35. Now, Todd Gurley to me is like borderline playable in GPPs. What's your take here? Well, no, I think, and here's the big difference that I want people to understand. Um, especially if you're looking at a site like DraftKings, you're paying up almost $8,000 for Freeman. So with the price that he has been moved up to right now, he's priced to perfection. He needs to go off and have a huge game like that in order for him to just basically make his value. Right. Gurley, on the other hand, though, is only $5,000 over there. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to use one of these two guys, because, again, Gurley's 35% on two, so it's not like he's a secret. But if I'm going to use one of these two guys, I have more comfort using the guy like Gurley, who's a little bit cheaper, who I think can give me that huge, you know, maybe five times upside 20, 25 points, um, as opposed to Freeman, who at, you know, close to 8000 now, is going to need to get me 32 to 40 points, which, again, I understand. I hear everybody saying, well, that's what he's done the last couple of weeks, but he's also been on record-breaking pace. Do we think he's going to end the season with, you know, 30 touchdowns and 3,500 total yards from scrimmage? I mean, that would be probably the best season anybody's ever had in, you know, football history, even if you played, like, 20 games and included everything else. Right. Um, so... I think Gurley's a little bit easier to use in your tournament rosters, but again, you know, 35% ownership, if you fade him, he has a bad game, you're knocking out one-third of the field. If you have the, let's call them stones, to fade uh, Devonta Freeman and Gurley, and they both underperform, you're pretty much in the top 20% right there just by doing that. Right. Well, provided your guys don't throw up duds themselves. But yes. 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 Okay. So now here's another thing that we, like, we didn't actually plan on talking about, I, but I want to reference to because I think it's an important point and it's going to keep coming up with every show we do and it's translatable to every single sport for DFS. Now we talk about like, um, you know, three, three X, four X, five X paying off that price tag. Maybe you can quickly just take people through in layman's terms what we mean by paying off the price tag and what you're looking for at like a certain price point. So let's, okay. yeah, yeah, you, I'm, you, you can illustrate this better than me. So go, go for it. Yeah. Well, here's basically where this all comes from. Um, if you look at your tournaments after they're over and figure out how many points you need in order to get a win or in order to get a double up or, 
you know, whatever the tournament type that you're playing is. That's where this all comes from. You get $50,000 of salary on a site like DraftKings to start off and make your roster. To win the Millie Maker, let's say, you probably need 250 plus. So that would mean if you divide the 50,000 by the 250 points, you would need five points for every thousand dollars of cost that you're spending on a running back wide receiver, every position throughout your roster. So if you have a running back that's at $5,000 and you want to win the Millie Maker, you probably need to get 25 points or more out of that guy. So when we say 5x value, that's basically what we mean. For every thousand dollars of cost that you would pay for a guy, you need him to get you five points per thousand dollars of cost in order for him to make, you know, championship winning type of value. Right. So with a guy like Freeman at almost 8,000, that 5x would be 40 fantasy points that you need. See, Whereas a guy like Gurley at 5,000, you need 25. That's an excellent explanation. Now, you, you explained that 10 times better than I ever could. So I'm glad you, thank you for breaking that down. Now, as a secondary note to that, now let's talk about paying off um, the price tag or, you know, what we're looking for, like in cash game purposes, because we don't need 5x for cash. Necessarily. No, for, for cash, you're probably looking more about like two and a half to three times on DraftKings. Sure. Um, maybe a little bit, maybe about two times only on FanDuel because you need probably about 120 uh, to really be comfortable in all your double ups and 50-50s. And on FanDuel, you get a $60,000 salary cap. So on FanDuel for cash, you're probably looking two times value on DraftKings. Like 130-ish probably is is where you want to be in your 50-50s and double-ups. Right. So that would be like 2.6 times, somewhere around there. Right. So this is what we're talking about when we go with like min-salary guys or guys who are 4K and stuff like that on DraftKings. Is when you play a guy like Christine Michael, um, you know, uh, and he let, – let's say that you were going to play him in cash, which we wouldn't necessarily recommend because of the volatility there. there in cash games, you want a safe sort of floor, and there really isn't a safe floor for Christy Michael because we haven't seen him play. But let's just use him as an example because he's min-priced this week. So it's 3K. So basically, you're you're actually okay – in retro, in retrospect, just taking a look at your lineup after you've finalized it, if he comes up there with ten points, um, at minimum mm-hmm. salary, because you got he got three x uh, off off the price tag there in those spots. So that's sort of what you're looking for. If you can get everybody to to be in at at three x, um, you know, versus their salary in your your cash game lineup, you're pretty safe for the most part in terms of cashing. And like Benny said, you can actually go down to two and a half it there as well and it's going to obviously vary because some guys are going to blow up and give you 5x and some guys are going to go down to you know the bottom and be and you know they might it might be just one-to-one which is terrible (laughs) for you but you know and the other thing to factor into is like it's really volatile and like you it's it's quite normal and often that you don't get 2x or 3x out of your defense that's one thing i think that we need to explain to people there as well because sometimes you know you pay 4500 and you only get four or five points and then that's okay because you you probably I mean there isn't a lot of a ton of differentiation between teams or you know lineups that use different different teams not i don't think there's for the most part you're not used uh, well let's just take a look at the report here if you take a look at the defense there as well it looks like for the majority of the point if we go down to three percent that means one two three four five six seven eight nine different defenses are, are being used Okay, so chances are if you used a team like Carolina and they only put up six fantasy points for you, that won't kill your cash game lineup. It's probably not the greatest thing for your GPP lineup, but you're still very safe if you only got like one X out of your defense. So that's the one exception that I just wanted to point out there. Um, all right, let's go ahead and continue now that we've um, completed our master class. 
on uh, <laughs> on 5x and 4x and and paying off uh, price tags. Let's go ahead and, and and dig into the rest of the running backs here. We mentioned uh, Gurley and Freeman. I'm a little bit interested to note that uh, Doug Martin came at 14 and a half percent. Are you on board with that? Does that interest you? I'm I'm a little perplexed. I'll say. I'm going to be honest. I don't want anything to do with him this week. I know that. Washington's defense is usually pretty good against the run. Now, they have been gashed the last two weeks by Atlanta and the Jets, but those are two teams that were expected to be winning and were ahead the whole game and that really made a commitment to run the ball a lot. Like, they did both put up a lot of yards, but they also had a ton of carries in order to do it. I don't feel like Washington's run defense is that bad, though. Like, I think they just played pretty badly the last two weeks. So I think they're going to be able to shut down Martin. The way you usually want to attack Washington is through the air. You usually want to go after them on the outside. Um, so I think that Tampa Bay may try to do that a little bit more. I think Washington's going to concentrate on stopping Doug Martin and basically daring Jameis Winston to you know, throw some big passes to Evans and, and Jackson on the outside in order to beat him. So I am going to have no shares of Doug Martin. The fact that he's high-owned, only makes me happier about it because uh, he's not even somebody who I'm I'm putting on my radar this week. Yeah, that's that's um, something that I just want to echo like 100% as well. I don't I don't want Doug Martin anywhere. If he, and just taking a look at projections here on RotoWire, he has the most generous projection uh, of anybody. It looks like he's projected for for 16.9 FanDuel points, um, and that puts him 10th for Week Seven. And then taking a look at Pro Football Focus as well, he's um, 15th. So I don't really understand necessarily why he's third other than the fact that you can get him at a um, decent discount for, for what you're paying. I mean, 4900 which, which is which is fine. I just don't feel great about the um, the overall ceiling for him. So yep. I, I, I'm with you there. Chris Ivory is another interesting guy that, that, that you know, people sort of feel like the price is right. And so um, I can see why he's – and he's performed quite well, which is sort of different from Doug Martin. Doug Martin has been – um, I say, I guess, inconsistent to say the least. So, but Chris Ivory, nevertheless, 12.6%. I think people are sort of buying into the, we, we talked about this yesterday. People are buying into the fact that, um, New England has a, a less than still run defense overall, but we talked about, you know, why we think it might not matter and how much catch up the Jets are going to have to play. So we'll leave that, you know, if you really want to know all you want to know about Chris Ivory, go ahead and listen to yesterday's show. But I think we're going to be sort of limited at best to our exposure. Our, do you agree with me there? Yeah, I, you know, like we said yesterday, I mean, I think the game flow just doesn't set up for him to have the kind of game that people are looking at his game logs and thinking he might have. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the next piece here that we want to talk about here, Le'Veon Bell is interesting at 7.4%, and then we have our boy Lamar Miller coming in at 6.4. Maybe he's more my boy than your boy. No, I'm, I was on him last week, too. I, You know, I, I've been riding that train, so I'm back on him again this week. I like Lamar Miller. Um Le'Veon Bell, you got to pay up for. He's a little bit expensive. Kansas City is a team you usually want to throw the ball against. So I'm not huge on him, although I do like the fact that you can get arguably the most talented fantasy running back at uh, you know less than 8%. So I will have a couple shares of him in, on GPP rosters. Lamar Miller, though, is one of those guys that I think we need to talk about because if you're looking to do something different than everybody else for a tournament, if you want to come off a guy like Gurley, Lamar Miller is $400 cheaper on DraftKings, and I think he's almost $1,000 cheaper, like six or $700 cheaper on FanDuel. So he is definitely somebody that you could look at if you want to differentiate your rosters. I was expecting him to be higher-owned 
coming off a game where he finally saw 20 touches and he finally, you know, got over 100 yards and looked like the, you know, stud running back that people have always thought he was. And at the price that he's at again this week, I have no problem rolling him back out there. He's definitely going to be somebody I have a lot of exposure to. Yeah, uh, I like that there as well. I mean, the, the def- defensive matchup obviously isn't as good as last week's, but having said that, the price is definitely right, and he's on, it's, for me, uh, as far as my PFF article goes, he's in he's in punt territory because of how cheap he he's still priced. So, I mean, we we talked about that yesterday, so we'll uh, not spend too much time talking about that. What I do want to talk about is. I think what we need to do with Le'Veon Bell, and let me just see if you're with me here on this. We're taking a look at the running back position, okay? And I have to just sort by salary here. And 8,400, still in the top spot on DraftKings, okay? Uh, and you take a look at uh, uh, 8,900 on FanDuel. And just in terms of what they've done, his salary actually rose uh, this week. So he was in that 9K plus towards the end of that season. But for the most part, he's been flat or about the same price so you've just never got a discount if not they've if anything they sort of raised it on us with Le'Veon Bell I think what we need to do is start calling him Louis Vuitton Bell because you just it, he never gets cheaper basically and he's always expensive and it's quality it's good you know but you know you're gonna have to pay top dollar so are yep. you, can we just go with Louis Vuitton Bell the rest of the season here until we start getting a discount there you go LV <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and talk about some people here that are in the, I guess, well off the radar range or in this like 6 to 2% here. Who who stands out among this list that you might be interested in? Well, I'm a, I'm a firm believer for tournaments to try to do the complete opposite of what everybody else is doing. So if everybody else is loving a guy like DeAndre Hopkins at 28 or 30%, the opposite of taking Hopkins for me is taking Arian Foster, who is only 3% owned. Now, basically, they were throwing a lot late in that game last week, but let's say that they had a lead and they were running it out. You know, with what Foster had done with his catching the ball and the carries that he already had and the touchdown, you know, he was, a, you know, a, a good driver to where he got six or eight carries and picked up 25 or 30 yards away from really having a huge game. You know, he still wound up with a number in the 20s on DraftKings. So at 3%, I really like Arian Foster. Let's see. uh, You know, Latavius Murray at 6% is okay. I think he's a little bit pricey, though, on all the sites, so I'm not loving him. But I do think that for a tournament, he's somebody that you could use instead of a Gurley or, you know, Devonta Freeman that's in a pretty good spot that can give you some upside as well. And depending on this whole Deion Lewis situation... Um, you know, I've been hearing people talk about LeGarrette Blount. Now, here's the deal. For me, I wouldn't use, you know, LeGarrette if Dion was out because the Jets' run defense is pretty solid. But if Dion is in, I definitely think that the Jets can be beat by, you know, running backs out of the backfield. Um, I remember watching, you know, Darren Sproles make a couple plays that way. As a, as a Jet fan watching a lot of Jet games, I have seen some running backs make some catches out of the backfield against them. So Deion Lewis at 2% is somebody who I would look at if we get word that he's going to be playing and that he feels healthy because I I think that um, New England's going to try to do to the Jets exactly what they did to Buffalo. They're just not even going to worry about the run. They're just going to try to throw it 45 to 50 times in this game. And if that turns into 50 points, it turns into 50 points. So I think Deion Lewis would be somebody I would definitely be looking at. And depending on uh, if Justin Forsett is in or not, 
you know, 1% on Forsett with all the carries that he gets would be somebody else who I think would be a little interesting to me. I think both of those things make sense, and you sort of get this, you know, discount in ownership percentage from Dion Lewis because of what happened to him last week um, with LeGarrette Blount just getting force-fed the ball. But people should have saw that coming if they knew the history between um, Bill Belichick and the Indianapolis Colts and how uh, LeGarrette Blount has basically, you know, um, own them. You know, like LeGarrette Blount is um, the New England Colts uh, – I'm sorry, the Indianapolis Colts' daddy. Basically, when it comes to um, his and honestly, and honestly, I didn't even think that was that good of a play last week. Like, if he didn't catch that touchdown pass, which I'm sure all you people who played him were expecting him to do, <laughs> he wouldn't. Have, he wouldn't have had a very big game either. So. Yeah. So yeah, something <clears throat> something else to sort of. Um, Sour grapes, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, it really isn't that good when you think about it, because yeah. you know it's kind of lucky, and yeah. Yeah, he, he had a lucky 25 <laughs> draft picks. <splits. laughs> It was like that's what we call an outlier in the DFS industry, Josh. Yes, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he cost me a couple head to head, so I'm a little bitter. I'm sorry, okay. but go ahead. Right. No problem. <laughs> All right, let's move the show along here. We got to talk about this here, Betty Martavis Bryant, twenty eight point eight percent owned, top spot. I think. Listen. There is, I want to, you know what I'm, I'm beginning to do, Benny? I'm beginning to question this report that we're looking at. You know what I mean? Cause like, it's... there's a, listen, I didn't know that there was enough Kool-Aid in America for everybody to be drinking, uh, Martavis Bryant here for week seven. This is super strong. I understand the, the like the price point and, and I understand like what he did last week. And, but it's just because, you know, Martavis Bryant hooks up with Landry Jones. Uh, in week six doesn't make him a 30% play or, you know, upwards of 30% play in my mind in, in week seven. Your, your thoughts on this? No, I agree completely. And honestly, the one thing I want to jump in on that you said is like the price point. He's not even cheap. Like, it's not like he's 5,800 and you look and you're like, oh, well, yeah, there's nobody else. I mean, he's 6,900 on Fandle. Yeah. And he was 30% owned. That's a little strong. I want to, that's, just... that's insane to me. Like, I will have absolutely no shares of him at all. In any, in any tournaments, if he's going to be 30% owned, if people are loving him that much on FanDuel, yeah. I don't want anything to do with it. Now on DraftKings, I have a little bit of a problem because he's only 4,700. Yeah. Well, and he's getting full PPR. You know, I, it's. I get it. I understand it. I understand it's six for 137 and two scores. This is overreactionary for me too. If you want to yes. have a share, or some shares, fine. Is he a cash game play? No, absolutely not. No, and he's in cash care. game ownership territory right now mm-hmm. with this. With, I understand it's crazy, and I could be totally wrong. He could blow up two weeks in a row. That's fine. But you, you, you know what? I'm not going to do. I'm I'm not going to you know have a ton of GPP shares of this guy just based on this alone. No. You know, so um, you know, if he goes off again, congratulations to those people who jumped in on the price. Then fine. I'm 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 going to book a share probably somewhere of a Landry Jones. Martavis Bryant, to be honest, but you know what I want to do instead is have Antonio Brown to, to yes. Andrew Jones because that is far more yes. attractive, and you'll be in a much better spot on with both those plays. So you, you, yeah, you're 100 percent with me. You understand why? Oh, uh, well, absolutely. I was thinking the exact same thing. Antonio Brown is five percent, guys. Yeah, and let's let's let here. Here's me pulling everybody back off the Martavius Bryant ledge here for a second. The guy had eight targets last week. Right. If you watch the game. He did about as much with the targets he he got as he possibly could have. That one run, I think he broke 35 tackles. It was like playing Madden on, like, easy mode. Like, he just – he that doesn't happen, and that's not something that you're going to expect to happen every week. Right. The other one he caught the touchdown, I think, was in, like, the back of the end zone. Um, 
you know, which was again, the guy's got talent. He's he's very good. I'm I'm not knocking him, but he shouldn't be the highest owned receiver this week, especially not when when he's not cheap. Like like I said, if he was 5,500, 5,800, I completely understand it because you need that cheap guy, and he has more upside than anybody else could. But up at seven thousand dollars for me, I, I don't think he's a slam dunk at all. And like you said. The guys only get an eight targets. We talk about opportunity all the time. You know, guys that get a lot of touches, guys that get a lot of carries, guys that are going to see 12, 15 targets. Those are the kind of guys you want in your cash games. You don't want a guy who's going to see eight targets and, yeah, he could catch one and go for 60 yards or he could have maybe three catches for, like, 18 yards in this game and, you know, you're going to wind up losing all your cash games. So definitely not a cash game play for me at 30%, definitely not a GPP play, so... Like I said, I'm going to have zero shares of Bryant this week. I, I I just can't see putting him in the lineup. All right, fair enough. Uh, I'm I'm f- for the most part with you. Larry Fitzgerald at 28.2%. DeAndre Hopkins, 24.8%. John Brown, believe it or not, 17.9%. It's a little surprising. And Stefan Diggs at 14.5%. Dante Moncrief is a guy who I'm interested in at 117 for sure. Um, let's let's talk about this list and then maybe a few guys down this list. How are you setting up cash game and GPP action based on what you know now? Uh, at wide receiver. Well, I mean, I love Hopkins because of the number of targets he gets. He's definitely a cash game play for me. Uh, GPP-wise, I'm still going to have a few shares for him, probably more so on DraftKings with the full PPR. On FanDuel, his, and here's the thing about Hopkins that everybody's not really talking about either. His price has come up a lot. You know, like when he was in that $7,000 range, yeah, you know, he was almost a plug-and-play. I didn't mind if he was 20 25%. But you're up to nine thousand, over nine thousand dollars for him on Fanduel. If you built any rosters with him in them, you can tell that you know it's very restrictive to pay ninety-two for a wide receiver. You can't fit a whole bunch of studs in there with him. If you're paying up for him and you go with like a Freeman and a Gurley, you know you're coming down into that like six K range for at least one or two wide receivers, and and basically your tight end and you're going min price at like kicker and defense in order to make something work. Um, so I definitely can see some merit fading him in tournaments on FanDuel. It's a little harder to do on DraftKings. Uh, same thing with Fitzgerald. Um, Brown, I don't think I would use at all at 18%. You got to realize that, you know, like we always talk about, whoever the highest owned quarterback is, because everybody's linking up their receivers, you're always going to get guys higher owned. If you do like Carson Palmer this week and you want to do something off the board, uh, you can go down to Michael Floyd, who's been seeing targets, who we talked about, who's kind of cheap this week. And he's going to be the guy that's lower owned. If Floyd has that big game for you, um, he doesn't even need a big game. If he has five catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown, and uh, Fitzgerald and Brown don't have big games, you know, doing that, uh, stacking up Palmer and Floyd will be a good way to eliminate a big portion of the field that has those other Cardinals guys. Um, as for Diggs, there's been some rumblings about it. Um, you know, again, 14% is kind of high owned. I do think he makes sense as a play on DraftKings in uh, cash because he can get you the PPR. Um, I still think he has six or seven catches in this game for at least 70 or 80 yards, and that's going to help him pay off that value. Uh, I like Moncrief, and I like Benjamin as well. So of that list, I think the guys I'm staying away from would probably be the guys in the Cardinals. All right, uh, that, that makes a, uh, a good amount of sense for me uh, overall. So, for for I like the fact that you know I understand what people are trying to do with John Brown because he's the lower owned guy, and, he, and you can take a you know uh, 
a bigger shot with the rest of the spots in your lineups when you go down to that discount at John Brown versus versus Fitz. But Fitz has just been so steady and so productive overall. And I don't this ownership percentage sort of um, lends the credence to the notion that they m- people may be double stacking or double dipping here with both mm-hmm. Fitz and Brown, which I don't I don't necessarily recommend too much. And that, unless I think I absolutely love the matchup, and I understand it's super juicy here, but more often than not, one guy is going to get line chair and go off and not the other and then you're going to be stuck with a less than optimal position at one spot and you really need every lineup spot to hit if you're going to, to make some hay here so yep. um we mentioned i already mentioned julio jones at 9.7 percent as a guy that i uh target now here's a here's a, a polarizing guy here julian Edelman has been super solid and steady all season long you tell me how you feel about this matchup against your jets for him at 9.4 percent for week seven i don't like it at all to be honest for edelman um, it doesn't matter where he lines up, really. The Jets have a pretty good, pretty good guy that'll be on the opposite side of him. I don't think that it's so much a question of whether or not he'll have a decent game. I think he'll still make a couple catches. I just don't think he's going to have a big game. Yeah. So with him not being cheap anymore, there's no reason to pay up for a guy who you don't think has the opportunity to have a big game. And I think that you're going to see a lot more Gronk in this game. I think you're going to see, hopefully, a lot of Lewis out of the backfield. Or as a Jets fan, hopefully not. But, you know, if, you, if you're looking for DFS purposes, I mean, that's kind of where I would look for it more than uh, to look for Edelman to have a big one this week. Yeah, in the, and I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to find the shadow report here as I'm looking through all this stuff. But uh, it, right now, my clan profile focus has um, Edelman projected to... Um, catch uh, Darrell Revis in his cornerback matchup, which is the actual worst you know situation possible. So uh, that's going to be a, a struggle overall. Now, they always do move him all around, all around the formation, and I think Darrell Revis is not a guy um, who, yeah, looking at the stats here, he's basically been locked in at left corner the, the most, of the, most of the time. Yeah, so, he, he doesn't really shadow despite what people think. Right, So, but having him listed as you know the normal left cornerback in their defense and him showing up on this report against Julian Edelman lends me to think that he's actually going to shadow Julian Edelman here in week seven because you know Julian I mean Julian Edelman is almost never lined up out wide ever so for him to be matched up on this report against Mike Clay tells me probably everything you need to know about how he expects uh, the Jets to approach that matchup which is a smart thing because you know that's probably the, the, the number one or the number two weapon in their offense uh, along with Gronk so uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's a, it's a good amount of shadowing that's happening there. So something else to consider, which means to me, I think you and I both were we're, we're all in fade territory there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Willie Sneed at 4.7% is interesting. Uh, he's never really completely busted out, but he's been super safe. A um, couple of other guys that are that are not necessarily um, highly owned here. I think after we go farther down on this list, um, who, who did I want to mention here? Stevie Johnson, if Keenan Allen doesn't play, um, he's like not anywhere on this list. So basically nobody wants him. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. Well, I mean, one guy that I really want to make sure we talk about, I know you kind of mentioned them already. Odell Beckham at only 3% yes. this week is somebody who I definitely think you got to consider. Right. And, um, and the, now my next question to you is almost in every scenario, when you pay top dollar for ODB or OBJ or however you want to call it, whatever you want to call them, um, you're still paying top dollar 8,700 on DraftKings. Okay. Do you pair him with Eli Manning every time? No, I don't think you need to pair him with Eli every time. But um, let's see. Well, what would you need out of him? No, because, I mean, Beckham could have a game where he just gets the huge, 
huge amount of market share, finishes with 10 or 11 catches, uh, you know, 100-something yards and two touchdowns. And Eli could have done all his damage to Beckham where, you know, he had maybe like 100 yards to guys outside of him. So it wouldn't really give you a huge upside. You would really need a, a much bigger game out of Eli where he throws like, you know, maybe a touchdown to Randall or one to Vereen or one to, you know, one to Donnell and, you know, finishes with like 350 yards if you're going to have them both go off. So I don't think you need to, but it is a good way to kind of, you know, I see, I think that Beckham being 3% owned by himself is enough differentiation where you don't have to take the, you know, the Eli at 3 or 4% too. I think you'll still be, you know, in a spot where if Beckham does go off, you get a piece of that game. And it pushes you really far up in the tournament anyway. Uh, so what I'm going to actually do in my lineups is I'll have a share of both, Eli and Odell Beckham, and then he will be one of my um, preferred options as a number two wide receiver for the rest of my hookups in GPP. So if I'm hooking up Hoyer and Hopkins, then and you know if I feel really good about my cheap running back options and my tight end value play, then I will try to make Odell Beckham Jr. the, the number two wide receiver in a bunch yeah. of spots uh, I there think- as well. I think what you're going to find, like, it would be, it might be tough to do it with, like, Hoyer and, uh, and Hopkins because of the price. Right. But I think if you're looking at, like, a guy who's a little bit more reasonably priced, like, if you're using a Steve Smith Flacco mm-hmm. stack, which is a little bit cheaper, I think putting Beckham in there is, is, is a good situation. Cause I think you'll be able to fit him in and you'll be different than any of the other people who use that stack because they probably did it to fit in Hopkins. You right. know what I mean? Or similarly, uh, in a similar situation to Calvin Johnson, too, at 8.8%. is a, a guy mm. that you might be able to do with it that with. And then Dante Moncrief, who still doesn't have the top-tier pricing but has been a preferred target uh, for, for Andrew Luck, is another guy that you can sort of uh, make a case for for your, you know, I guess top-tier one, tier two uh, stacks. Um, at those positions. All right, let's go ahead and move forward to tight end here. No shocker, no surprise. Antonio Gates comes in at 32%. Are you surprised that so many people faded Gronk down to 4.4 for week seven? I mean, we talked about it the other day where I basically said that I'm not using him because he was so expensive. Right. But I guess everybody else in the world thought that too. So now there's some opportunity here, right? Yes. At 4.4%, I'm going to be putting him in in some of my tournament rosters. He's not a cash game play to me. He's not a guy I would put into a cash roster. He normally is, at, which is by the way. I mean, yes. Like, so we're sort of just want to. I just want to make note of how we are approaching things differently and why uh, mm-hmm. this week. So, but yeah, normally, uh, technically speaking, you can still use him in cash, and I think it's fine if you're asking me personally. But the difference is this week is that there's so many solid options that and Gronk has and gone off from like. Um, you know, be, monster beast mode status to just sort of a tight end producing in the top five. You know, right, and we, at the price that you're being asked for him, he needs to be that monster, right? You know, status. Otherwise, it's not worth it to use him. Which is why a lot of people have been saying, "Don't use him this week." Right, which is goes back to us talking about how it's sort of questionable as to whether or not he pays off the price tag, which is what we're coming down to in in this spot. With, with Gronk this week, especially against a good Jets defense. So that's the issue that we have with Gronk, which we're basically trying to relay. So speaking of tight ends and, you know, who we want to use here, you got Gate at 32%. Um, not worried about that percentage for, for cash games. It still makes a lot of sense for me overall. So then I think you're with me on that as well. Am, am I right? Yeah, I mean, as far as long as his that health scare thing that's popping up, right. as long as he's playing – 
I have no problem using them because it is such a good matchup. Right, and so if people who are even looking for some, you know, some secondary options or feel like they can get similar productions out of like Olsen, Barnage, Clay, you know, and Wit and some of the other guys there too as well, those are all fine if you you can make cat. Uh, you know, cases for them in cash and GPPs there as well. The issue that I have this week is that it's just such a good defensive matchup against the Raiders this week. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be tough for you to, in the cash games at least, to go away from Gates and then still feel good about, you know, you're going to need Barnage to blow up or whoever you, you guys to match up. That's going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a positional loss if you go away from the Gates because, Gates because you still, you're still getting him at a, at a fairly reasonable price. Overall, just $5,000 on DraftKings, you know, versus Greg Olson at 6100 I don't really, you know, then it just becomes a little bit cost prohibitive for a guy, you know, f- uh, facing uh, a, a decent defense or I guess recently playing better defense in, in Philly. Um, so how are you, what's your approach here? Let me just get, are you Gates for cash and then, you know, mix and match uh, among the others um, for GPPs? Yeah, I mean, I had Gates and Cash on th- um, on Thursday. I came off a little bit of him because I saw that he had sat out practice. But if he's in, I'm I'm gonna have him in Cash. He just makes too much sense. He's too good a price. You know, it's not worth overthinking. But for tournaments, you know, like I said, I try to go away, especially if there's one third of the rosters around Antonio Gates. So you got to either try to outscore Gates or you have to get somebody that's so min price. Or, you know, around his price or cheaper that, you know, gets more of a value for you. So maybe they don't outscore him, but if you get a guy that's half his price that scores 18 and he scores 22, you know, you're getting a better value from using that cheap guy. So I will have some Gronk in there hoping that I can get more points um, from Gronk than I can out of, the, out of Gates. And I think he's the only guy who really makes sense to spend up above Gates for. Um, the other guys that I would be looking at, you know, maybe a guy like a Delaney Walker uh, or, or like, a you know, Jordan Cameron, like somebody who is cheaper than Gates that can get you the same amount of points or close to it, um, you know, and give you a couple hundred bucks that you can spend up at another position to help make your roster different there. So that's basically how I'm going after it. All right. I like that there as well. Um, I, I'm done uh, sort of trying to figure out why you need to fade Gary Barnage. So um, I'm I'm going to get in there on, on Barnage for sure this week. Charles Clay, so, um, same situation as as last week. Uh, I mean, I'm not worried about you know what the the issue. Maybe it could actually be more beneficial that EJ Manuel's under center, um, and the fact that Sammy Watkins is once again banged up. So mm. um, Charles Clay, I think it makes great play. I'm gonna I'm going to say no thank you, sir, on Ben Watson. Um, this is the one one week wonder. He's been, you know, I guess like you know, two to three to four catches per week. You know, around thirty yeah. yards. It's just, you know, he had one breakout game. He is capable of that, but he hasn't shown that that's consistently his floor or he has that you know type yeah. of ceiling. He went he went from an average of five targets a game to eleven targets last game, and I think he's going to go back closer back down to five where he was. Right. You know. so too much of a roller coaster to trust right now. We need more sample. Uh, Delaney Walker. Walker is interesting, but two four two point four percent. But uh, I would rather just you know trust some of the guys who have been more productive and more healthy overall than Delaney Walker, especially now that you have Zach Mettenberger under center. And then I, I was much more interested in Travis Kelsey. We think we talked about this earlier with if Macklin was going to be out, but now that he's rolled back in, we sort of yeah. get Travis Kelsey in. Like the guy's supposed to be good, but he never you know blows up and is the number one tight end on you know on the board in any given week here in the first six weeks of the season. So yeah, he has the talent to, to put up big games. Doesn't have the quarterback. He, 
Yeah, yeah, and he and he doesn't get enough targets in order to right. to even have a chance to do it anyway. So you know, people can keep sitting there and banging the wall and talking about how great this guy is. Mm-hmm. I agree with them. He's great. He's got a ton of talent, but he's not a great fantasy play. Yeah, and if you take a look at too, just what's been happening with with Barnage there as well. Nine targets, ten targets, six targets, and he catches all six for seventy five and he scored that week against San Diego. Ten targets, six for one hundred five and a score. And then you know the only. Uh, you know, outlier was the Tennessee Titan games where, uh, you know, he went for just one catch for 17 yards, but they were, uh, it was a different game flow that the mm-hmm. Browns were actually ahead for once in their life in that game. Yeah. So, and he gets, and Barnage gets red zone looks almost every game. So yeah. he has opportunity, right. which is what Kelsey doesn't have. And mm-hmm. that's why we like Barnage a little more. I'm going to go one step further and say he is the primary red zone target, red zone target number one. Yeah. For, for Cleveland, and then right behind him would be Travis Benjamin uh, as the number two option. So uh, that's how we're looking at at tight ends. Now let's go ahead and flip over to the defense finally here, Benny. St. Louis, um, I don't know if I'm on board necessarily with St. Louis at 14.4%. I understand they play good defense at home, and it is Cleveland who's been struggling uh, overall. But, uh, you know, aside from that fact, Cleveland hasn't um, uh, exactly, you know, been struggling on offense uh, overall, I know it was a, it was a rougher game uh, against the uh, Denver Broncos in week six, but that's the number one defense in the league. I don't really want to throw St. Louis in that category. To me, I don't, I didn't really actually exact plan on having a ton of, uh, St. Louis D's in, in my lineups because I just felt so much better about the other situations that we talked about. Well, what's your approach here? Thank you. Because literally <laughs> everybody I'm talking to this week is telling me how much they love St. Louis, and I really don't. I mean, Cleveland has a pretty decent offense that's been putting up yards and points the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I hate St. Louis or I think that Cleveland's going to go blow them out or anything, but I don't think that they deserve to be the top owned defense. There's a reason why they're only like 4,500. Right. Yes, they have a, I think the thing that people are looking at is St. Louis is like third in the league in sacks mm-hmm. and the Browns have actually given up a lot of sacks. Yeah. But, but he, you know what this is? You know. I, I, I'm just sort of figuring this out a little bit more. This is more related to them getting like a significant discount at 2400 on on DraftKings yes. against. Well, that's Cleveland. the thing. It's the price is so so cheap. Right. Um. Even over on Fanduel, I think they're min. Well, not min price, but they're like 44, 45, 4500. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. I think that actually makes less sense on Fanduel than it does on DraftKings personally, because um, if you take a look at what we're what, some of the teams that we're targeting, um, Arizona against Baltimore, just a six hundred dollar difference uh, overall, and I think we feel much better about the you know production level that you can potentially get out of Arizona than you would against um, St. Louis. Baltimore mm-hmm. is you know as Cleveland has proven is a definitely a worse team on both sides of the ball overall. Maybe not on defense, but well either way, I just you know they're just they're just doomed. Um, and then we take a look at some of the other plays that we, um, look here. I'm trying to find Atlanta on Atlanta's, here. No, there we go. Third, 9.6. They're up there. And I don't think 9.6 is too much to pay for an Atlanta team that has a pretty good matchup this week. I still really, really like them. They're, they're going to be the one I use the most. Um, you mean, are you talking about pricing for, for Atlanta? Um, or, cause you said 9.6. No, yeah, nine point six was their ownership percentage. Oh weekend. yeah, okay. Sorry, I was looking at the price of thirty three hundred on uh, yeah. Atlanta, which is you know nine hundred more than than Tennessee. But I would much rather attack Zach Mettenberger in that offense mm-hmm. uh, overall than you know you have to figure out if you're going to keep you know Gary Barnage and Travis Benjamin out, out of the end zone uh, for St. Louis. Maybe I sound like a Cleveland homer, and I am f- fine. So be it. I don't. Uh, 
St. Louis is a fine play at 2400. I don't think it needs to be the top play. And, you know, I, I won't be surprised if that's the, you know, um, they end up like outside the top five among scoring defenses. That could certainly happen. Uh, I would much rather try to go after Matt Castle and the New York Giants, much rather go after uh, Zach Mettenberger. Uh, and then, you know, um, just Kirk Cousins has been a consistent turnover machine. So Carolina as a number two on defense makes much more sense to me. Are you paying more? Yes, you, you, you are. So it really just comes down to how much use you, you are able to make uh, with, with the cost savings that you end up receiving. So. Yeah, and paying up for defenses has been the way to go so far this year. You know, I mean, obviously Denver just about every week, but, you know, most of the highest scoring defenses have been guys up towards the top that had good matchups that were pretty obvious, and the only difference is, you know, you had to pay for them. They weren't cheap. Right. So something else to consider once you get start into your, your line of construction overall. Um, that is going to wrap it up for today's show for the Rotowire DFS podcast. I want to remind you that you can also subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm sorry, Stitcher. And you can uh, leave a rating, review, and don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends. We appreciate that. You can always follow Benny on Twitter at BennyR11. And you can send all your com- comments, complaints, and questions to me at JoshHayesFS. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. the foot there's no better ride than an old station wagon room for six people facing forward two people facing backward and a whole lot of luggage lumber and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof if you can parallel park that beast you can park anything and with some quality parts and a little napa know-how you can keep your land ship running longer stronger it's not obsolete it's a rare treasure that's napa know-how napa know-how